This is the Blattcast, a sometimes fast-paced but usually meandering look at the world, hosted by Christian Blatt. So kick back, get ready for quite possibly the longest one hour to perhaps the shortest two hours and 56 minutes of your life. And now, here's Christian Blatt. Yes, indeed. Welcome to the Blattcast. Very excited to be discussing Dungeons & Dragons, Honor Among Thieves, and... Joining me are two of the most honorable thieves that I know. Katie Hampton, thank Hello. you uh, for being back here on the show. Thanks for having me. I freaking uh, love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. And uh, our, our friend Caitlin, who we hope is a- able to join us today. Uh, I ran into her. I was about to see another movie, and this was the opening night. She was seeing it for the third time. So we'll find out about that if she's with us today. And... Making his first appearance on the Black Cast, a family member, my brother-in-law, Richard Quiner. Richard, thank you Hello. so much for Thanks being for having here. me. And I, I and feel the interest- same way about the movie. Just I'm excited to talk about it. Yes, and in an interesting uh, turn of fate, uh, Richard is actually uh, joining us from the house I used to live in. <laughs> he, <laughs> he and his wife, my sister-in-law, are uh, renting the townhouse we used to live in. And uh, we've got our big messy house with boxes everywhere. But uh, I wanted to uh, start off. uh, We were talking a little before we got going. And I want to get some background from each of you as it relates to Dungeons and Dragons. And let's go within the chat first, though. Our pal Dominicus Saxon. I've been playing D&D since 1979. And this movie rolled a natural 20. Richard, does that joke stand up? I, I It stands up. I would agree okay. with that too. <laughs> it's one of those like we'll allow. It, right? I, I I just had to check with the judges to make sure because it seemed funny to me, and uh, yeah, my brother played D and D a lot for a few years, and uh, I played a little bit, but I was uh, more into the uh, what was the company TSR. Was that the name of the company? Sorry, yeah, it was the original. They also had the license for the Marvel superheroes role-playing game. So I would push my brother to play that more often because uh, that was in my personal wheelhouse. And, uh, you know, but uh, I, my familiarity was mostly with the animated series, which we will talk about during the course of this conversation. Katie, uh, take a moment and talk a little bit about uh, basically retell the story you told us right before we started. <laughs> but I think it's a funny way to to kind of talk about, you know, so, sort of uh, some renewed interest uh, as it related to D&D for some people in recent years. Absolutely. Well, I had a, a bunch of friends that would play like on the weekends and whatnot. And the first time I played was at a friend's house who actually is not far from me at the moment. But um, I, he would start the sessions at like 10 at night on a weekday. And I didn't realize how long these went. Uh, (laughs) And I was like, guys, I got work in the morning and like early in the morning. (laughs) I was like, I don't think I could do this. So I think whatever character I made and I made a very like very in-depth, pretty character. It was like, I think that might need to die off (laughs) because I can't keep this up. Um, But then after that, like um, one of my friends, this was pre-pandemic. We started playing uh, via Zoom. I guess it was like, I don't know if it was Zoom or not. I, I don't know what the like best programs were before all of that. But we started playing because they live in Missouri. And that's when I really got into it. And I had um, I had a brawler character that was half Dragonborn. This was fifth edition, I believe. And sounded like Mr. T. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, 
you know, uh, if only there were more characters in any fandom and any variety and any platform that sounded more like Mr. T. Uh, I think uh, that's a great way to go. Craig Robinson joining us from across the pond. Never played D&D, but had good fun with the movie. And uh, yeah, we'll get into uh, the, the movie itself. But I think it's easy to make the mistake where a movie like this might be inaccessible to people who didn't play. But uh, I think mm-hmm. that uh, they uh, they did a good job of that. So, uh, Richard, as uh, as uh, one of the people who I immediately thought of that I wanted to talk to about this movie because of your background, take a moment and explain to people just how into D&D you are. Well, I mean, the handle on the screen here is the RPG daily. So I do have a YouTube channel where I talk D and D that I've been running for a couple of years now. I've been playing fifth edition is the current edition of the, of the game. I've been playing that since I want to say 2016. Mm. So quite a while. And then in 2018, I started being the DM and the problem with Dungeons and Dragons in general is once you become a DM, you never stop. So that's all I do now. I run, two games every week. And then I have another game that I run twice a month. So I'm just playing a lot of D and D and talking D and D and just living in, and I 3d print miniatures for D and D. Like it's kind of all encompassing at this point. That's awesome. Yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously D and D completely separate fandom, but, uh, you and your lovely wife, Brittany had a Lord of the Rings theme, uh, running through your wedding. And, uh, if I yes. if I was smart, I would have uh, grabbed a couple pictures of my kids the way they were dressed up. Maybe I'll <laughs> be able to pop those in as we go along. But yeah, and you uh, actually, you need a lot of space for three D printing for licenses for you know things that tie into Lord of the Rings and D and D. And since we're talking about it, where do people find all that stuff? If uh, if we've piqued the interest of people out there in the audience, so if people need 3D printed miniatures, my shop is on Etsy. It is called Adventures in 3D. I sell miniatures out of a I call it a premium resin. It's a bit more expensive, but it's really hard to break. I found a lot of resins are really brittle, but mine I've been throwing them against the wall, and I have no problem with models breaking. so that's Adventures in 3D on Etsy. That's that's where you can find miniatures and such. Fantastic. So uh, we discussed it, it, you know, quickly in passing, but I think you have a great fantasy adventure story, and I think to start with that as the the foundation in which the movie is built on, you know, I think sometimes when you're adapting any kind of property. You're like, well, we have to incorporate all these things, all these, you know, these tropes of the series, the video game, whatever it might be. And I mean, I think that you can peel the Dungeons and Dragons off the top of this and it still works as a really fun fantasy movie. And uh, what do you think, Katie? Do you think that that's a, a wise approach when telling this story where, you know, people know the name Dungeons and Dragons, but not everybody knows exactly what that is. So you don't want to feel lost when you sit in the chair with your big bucket of popcorn, right? It's very true. And that was the thing. Uh, my fiance, Mark, has never really played D&D. Like, he's heard of it. And, like, obviously, it was a huge thing uh, in Stranger Things and such a theme. So I feel like the general knowledge of just its existence is fine enough. Um 
going into that movie, it's just a fun movie. It like it feels like the first real, and I know it's not summer yet, but it feels like the first real summer blockbuster movie that we've had in a long time that's just fun and not from the Marvel universe where people are dying all the time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like it was just like, it was pure jokes. It was like, it was great script writing. Like all the structures also, the two guys that uh, directed it, um, they're wonderful and if you haven't checked out some of their other movies like game night or something like that like please go check them out they are wonderful wonderful directors um they did so much with the script that i feel like it's very accessible to all parties even if you're not super into fantasy and uh, but like this is a very accessible way to watch it right i think it's important when something gets turned over to someone who has affinity and love for a property but you don't want to lose people you know i mean giving john favreau iron man and then the mandalorian you know it's like yeah there's a lot of stuff built into those but it's like anybody can sit down and i mean especially that first iron man you know you don't you know it was the first one you didn't need to see 23 movies just to try right. and follow and uh or I think tv it's shows or like the different like universes like yeah no it, it it's it's wonderfully accessible and very funny our pal Dominica Saxon again. Katie's right. It's a movie for everyone. Even Mrs. Saxon wants to see it this weekend. Mrs. Saxon uh, likes to spend her time away from Dominica Saxon. So the fact that she's willing to sit in a room with you, <laughs> I tease, I kid because I love. So, Richard, I want to kind of ask you sort of the reverse of that because one of the things that I thought when I saw the trailer months ago was I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what this is in relation to Dungeons and Dragons, but it looks like a fun movie. Were you at all nervous that? It wouldn't be D and D enough. Uh, before before the trailer dropped, I did have some nervousness surrounding that because in film and TV in recent years, we've had this thing where a lot of times the showrunners on TV shows or directors of big IPs are not fans of the IP that they're making the film of. I believe Halo had this same problem where the yes. director, the showrunner, was not a Halo fan, but here they're making the Halo TV show. Um, which we know was not, in my opinion, was not the greatest. Um, but I, so I was nervous about that originally. And then the trailer dropped and all that nervousness just went away as soon as the trailer hit the internet, because it is, was 100% D and D from the get go in that trailer. And yeah, I didn't have anything to worry about after that. And it's, it, I remember before going to it, like so many people were talking about like how they hope there's like sort of metagaming jokes within, and there totally were. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I the was one... laughing with the rope <laughs> where uh, <laughs> she was like, well, I have rope in my bag. And I was like, oh my God, I was laughing so hard. And I turned to my fiance, I was like, it's like everybody starts with rope. Everybody's got a rope in their bag. <laughs> that and a couple yeah. of coins. Like it's such a dumb like pass away joke, but it just it hit me in the heart. <laughs> There's I, I was like doing a little kind of thinking back when I saw it last week and and remembering all the Easter eggs I had seen. So I have like a whole list of you know those kind of tropes uh, that come into play in the game, but also are just great fantasy tropes and. Uh, right from the get-go like they made it something very comfortable for someone who is involved in the game and loves the game they made it easy for them to get into without feeling like oh this is made by someone who doesn't care about it at all um right from the start right from chris pine's monologue 
telling his story right at the beginning. It's his every back, player yeah. has done that similar background over and over again. So it really hit yeah. the mark. And Nemeka Saxon adds, the moment I saw the black dragon in the trailer spitting acid, I knew this movie had been done right. Now, Richard, I know that uh, yeah. I believe you went uh, Thursday night, opening night. I know you went uh, the first weekend. You went with some of your D&D pals. So was there was there anything that was like, oh, I really liked it. But was there any like, uh, you know, this kind of bummed me out that this didn't happen the right way or anything like that? Because, you know, you can always when you put a, a, a movie you turn the microscope enough, you can find something wrong with pretty much everything. Yeah. Uh, or were they just able to kind of let it go and just be like, yeah, it was fun. I think, I think there was just so much happening that no, none of us had a chance to really dissect it with the microscope. Like the biggest walking out of it, the biggest complaint we had was the theater we were seated in. Didn't let us take beer in. Uh. So like, that was our biggest complaint. <laughs> otherwise we were in it and afterwards we were all excited and we were hyped and everyone was talking about when they were going to go watch again i'm going this sunday uh sunday night i'm taking my wife to that so we didn't see anything but i think it's partially because we did not scrutinize it because we just had a good time we were just along for the ride and that that right. was one of the greatest things about that movie is that like afterwards i was like wow all of their act breaks all of their structure like everything like the rules of the world made sense even to a casual viewer even if you didn't know like how magic works i love i love that the, the running theme was like that's not how magic works uh <laughs> yeah it, it, like it really like um it, it it stuck to its guns with that like i just thought like structurally like afterwards was just perfect and all the like they had Baldur's gate referenced in there but they didn't go there but like that like all that stuff really geeked me out it was so well done yeah it really made the world that they're in feel more real and full uh just even for the casual viewer because they just played it so so well in mm -hmm. writing it yeah. Uh, also in the chat, uh, Roz JD thought that uh, there could have been something to be said for I have a 10 foot pole would have uh, been in the spirit. And then he's uh, getting a little in the weeds. But uh, if they'd had an, an orange dragon breathing fresh sodium, it would be better. Uh, and Roz JD, you know, a lot of what you're saying in there, I'm like, I don't even get it. And it's it's coming so fast and furious. And well, that's the wrong franchise. Uh, let's let's talk about the movie itself. I mean, you have a phenomenal uh cast to work with and uh you know it's it's always uh it's always hard to just not immediately like chris pine uh except in wonder woman 1984 but you know the first wonder woman you know he's great in that but uh there isn't really anything in there but uh and personally any i mean there's roles that Hugh Grant plays where you're like, Oh yeah, this is, this, this is exactly him. And I kind of love this, this iteration of Hugh Grant, this older Hugh Grant, this, I don't have time for dumb questions on the red carpet at the Oscars. Hugh Grant, <laughs> you know, uh, this, this is my, this is my favorite Hugh Grant. I mean, well, second to uh, getting caught for, uh, with the, with the, uh, <laughs> with the questionable, you know, with a person of the evening as, as they say, you know, and, uh, but uh, you know, this is uh, way up there. And, uh, I thought that, uh, him as an adversary, uh, sort of looming in his goofy way throughout, uh, I, I thought it was great. There were, uh, people that, uh, you know, people in the movie, 
so the the guy from Bridgerton. Uh, now, Richard, I know that's probably one of the reasons why your your wife, Brittany, can't believe that she hasn't gotten oh, yeah. to see this yet because uh, well, that the only reason basically... she didn't go. Yeah. The only reason she didn't go is because she had so, another like movie premiere thing that she had to go to that same night. So yeah, that was the only so, thing keeping her out. Yeah, so she uh, she missed out on on that, but uh, and and obviously Michelle Rodriguez. Speaking so of all things Fast and Furious, <laughs> um, but uh, uh, Justice Smith as Simon. I've got to admit, I had no idea. I've never seen him in anything that I remember. And uh, Sophia Lillis was Doric. It's like, I I was just like, all right, I'm going to look this up. And this is going to be Amy Adams' younger sister. And I guess it's not. (laughs) But, you know, and I mean, those are are basically uh, our leads. And I'm going out of my way, not trying to say the name of the guy from Bridgerton because I'm. I just looked at it and I'm like, oh yeah, I can't. I don't know how to pronounce that accent. It's because he has the accent mark. That's it. Yeah, I know. It's like it. It intimidates me. <laughs> but uh, I thought. Justice I thought that Smith, the cast. If you, if you yeah. he was actually in Detective Pikachu, um, which is like the first time you may have glimpsed which, him if you actually which watched I did, it. Which I did not see. I prefer my Pikachu's not solving crimes. You know, <laughs> you gotta the line. No, I, I'm I'm in a very narrow window of, uh, of of a lack of appreciation for all things Pokemon because of you know it was like when Pokemon was happening, I was like in college, yeah. and then you know mm-hmm. so when it came back. Uh, I mean, oh my gosh, <laughs> I went the nerd worlds collide because uh, I went with uh, my wife and her parents and, and Richard's now wife. Uh, we went to the Hollywood Bowl to see the the J.J. Abrams Star Trek in concert with a, with an orchestra. It was Ooh. fantastic. And uh, we had to uh, veer off the path because uh, Brittany was uh, looking for some Pokemon uh, check in points. <laughs> for, for Pokemon, Pokemon Go. Go. Yeah. yeah. So it was like there, it was like, yeah. well, we're at a Star Trek event. I, what are we going to complain for doing something too nerdy? <laughs> so, uh, but that's probably why I didn't recognize him. But let's uh, let's talk about. I think that the uh, the cast uh, gelled uh, particularly well. I mean, obviously, the Chris Pine Michelle Rodriguez dynamic. They did a great job of, of instantly like like oh my god, that's not my wife. Well, how would you even think that? And she is they have like a sibling relationship in totally, a way. Totally, a hundred percent. Yeah. And yet they're it's weird because they're like co-parents, you know, yeah. but in a very sibling way. We'll talk about that, uh, uh Katie, how you felt uh, about uh, our leads and the the rest of the cast uh, as we went on this adventure with them. Well, first of all, I've never really been the biggest Chris Pine fan. I just feel like he's a little bit like. Did you only see Wonder Woman 1984 and Wrinkle in Time? No, 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 no. I've seen him in other things and I saw him in Star Trek and I was like, oh, "Ah, you know, you know, I think he's fine. And also, I think the thing that sticks in my mind is his SNL performance where it felt like he was auditioning for all the musicals. Um, (laughs) And like. It just felt like I've always felt like Chris Pine was like try hard Ryan Reynolds. And I mean that with respect because he is very handsome and very good. And this movie completely flipped me on the Chris Pine like boat. Like I am here for it. Like he had heart, which like if they had cast Ryan Reynolds in this role, it would have been the snarky Deadpool. Like it, it would have been funny. Sure. But it like he brought the heart that I don't think a lot of properties are bringing right now. <laughs> and like, I actually like even cried in this movie because of him and because of Michelle Rodriguez. Um, and Michelle Rodriguez 
I feel like just knocks it out of the park in the exact way that she should, which is just a freaking brawler and like sort of a grunty type of like um, character and just slayed me with all the things that she, she was doing. Apparently, and I saw this in an interview, she had grown out her pit hair um for the oh, role wow. <laughs> like okay like over several months and <laughs> she was like pointing and like trying to make sure the camera got and like they had cut out every shot <laughs> of her pit <laughs> hair that she had spent so much time and i just i love that she just went for it in that way like because yeah, that's that's hilarious that's a, some it's uh, a degree of method acting that we uh, don't <laughs> usually hear and uh, our pal dominica saxon agrees i loved how they never became romantic just long time adventuring companions yeah uh and Roz jd was the 10 foot pole joke fake laughed at now, first of all, I mean, it, you've seen enough stuff that I've done. They're, the only fake laughing is at things that I say. It's actually a prerequisite. You can only do shows uh, if you're willing to fake laugh at things that I say a few times. Uh, the equipment list, everyone knows you need a rope, but an unprepared player will select perhaps the 10-foot pole. So absolutely. So uh, that was legitimate reaction. Don't you worry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, Richard, uh, it's sort of the same thing as as we go on this adventure with everyone. I mean, uh, mm -hmm. Simon, the the wizard, who you know, just sometimes you need to believe in yourself. Uh, I thought the you know <laughs> everybody was great. I thought. Uh, what did uh, what were your thoughts uh, from the performances from the cast? Everyone like when they first announced uh, Hugh Grant, I I was skeptical of that. I was like, what? I don't know. But <laughs> yeah, then as soon as he's introduced. Uh, in the in the flashback, it's like, oh, he fits. He fits perfectly in this role. I could see him being, you know, a villain in any game uh, that anyone plays. But also in in this kind of movie, he just fit the role perfectly. Uh, Justice Smith was such an interesting character to me to watch because he had such. I don't know how spoiler we you get on this well part. yeah that, that's a good that's a good pain. point so let's say at this point we've <laughs> kind of danced around spoilers it's sort of been uh, a light spoiler free but usually when we do these movie specials we do always get around to talking about all the spoilers so if you're still considering seeing Dungeons and Dragons and uh Honor Among Thieves of course if you're considering seeing it and you don't want to spoil have everything spoiled this would be the time to stop listening but you know our our main viewer slash listener who likes to hear all the spoilers in our movie content is actually Dominica <laughs> Saxon and he's already seen it uh but he's the one who's like I don't care you guys spoil it I'll still decide whether or not I want to see it but yeah so that's sort of the the rambling preambling ramble that uh we can talk about spoils spoilers Richard all right, perfect. Um, so as I was saying, Justice Smith's character, Simon, is he is a wild magic sorcerer, which in the game of D&D, they are like chaos incarnate. They cast a spell, and then something completely different might happen on accident, and that's just how they're played. And he's coming into this with these big shoes to fill because he has this heritage of his ancestors being great wizards and great sorcerers. And he's just this guy who can make the air smell like fresh cut grass <laughs> and he can make, you know, light a little fire on his finger. He can do these like little things consistently, uh, but he's constantly, you know, looking back at his past and his ancestors and trying to fill in those shoes, which comes into play in a huge way with the, the helmet that they have to search for and uh, get use out of. 
Um, he has a so lot of role was, for initiatives. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. He he was just he was so relatable. Just for the average viewer, I think we can all relate to feeling like we have something to live up to, and and that just kind of made that connection really strong for me. Watching him, I was just intrigued the whole time. He was he was amazing. To me, Chris Pine was Chris Pine, sure, cranked up to eleven. Um, <laughs> so. so because I was a fan of him before. So that was just like, okay, this is normal. Um, same with Michelle Rodriguez and uh, what's her name? Sophia Lillis. Yeah. I mean, she, she's been good in like everything I've seen her in so far. So it was no surprise that she just crushed it as Doric. And was yeah. And uh, let's give a, a shout out to uh, Chloe Coleman is the name of the actress who plays the young Kira, who I think uh, has some uh, good scenes and mm -hmm. uh, you know, her uh, there's a her dynamic with Michelle Rodriguez's character obviously does tug on those heartstrings that uh, Katie referenced. You know, sort of the realization at the end of the film, the uh, the sacrifice that is made. And uh, I thought that uh, Sophina, the uh, super creepy uh, witch character, yeah. was uh, was great. And uh, that Who actress I, is I spent Daisy a good Head is her name. I'm sorry, Daisy Head. Okay. I was yeah. just gonna say that I spent the whole movie being like is it Kristen Stewart? And I just didn't know that she was in this. Like I was so confused. Like I couldn't stop. Like there were times where I didn't realize what she was saying. So I was like, who is this actress? Well, yeah, I that was part of the problem too, because you know, she's obviously, you know, heavily made up. So it, that was sort of like, I'm trying to place her and figure out who she is and, and all that. But you know, whatever it was, I think uh, everyone uh, was great. And again, the, the story was fun, filled with plenty of adventures and, Lots of laughs. What were you about to say, Katie? I could see you looking to jump in with something. You know, I, I, I feel like lately I've been talking a lot about um, really great nerdy properties, stunt casting, like big names in things just because. They oh, so you saw the latest Mandalorian, you said. I actually have not. <laughs> but oh. <laughs> for There's those very reasons. They, but there's it's some like stunt it's casting like stunt casting one hundred and one. That's all. Yeah. I'll say. No, I know, and I was like, yeah. oh yeah, because you have no story. This had a little stunt casting. Burn. This had a little bit of a stunt casting, but like did not realize it at first. But when Bradley Cooper came in, I was like, wait, what? And then, yeah. um, was also wonderful. <laughs> like, he was great. And I was like, I didn't know he was in this movie. And then you go like, okay, I know why I didn't know he was in this movie. Cause he's barely in this movie. And yeah. by that, I mean how small he was. He was, he was barely there. <laughs> he was literally stunt. To yeah, no, it. it's great. And, and it, had, it had been a moment that I had seen him in something where he wasn't a raccoon. So right. uh, exactly. <laughs> was, uh, I thought that uh, that was fun. Um, and uh, I know Katie from, you know, knowing you in real life, but also uh, being your social media friend. I feel like I need to give you a moment to uh, sing the praises of Jonathan. Oh my God. <laughs> I cannot stop laughing. Like the line that stuck with me and like, I have a little bit of ADD where it's just like, if you say one thing, I'll say it again and again in my head. But the woman who just said, Jonathan is like 
permanently <laughs> stuck in my brain. <laughs> um, uh, but Jarnathan was such a delight. I do want a one shot of Jarnathan and just his whole story. Um, <laughs> I, I love the beginning monologue um, where he just keeps asking where Jarnathan is. And yeah. I was like, oh, this is a bit we're going to keep coming back to. And I'm so happy about it. And that they brought that bit back at the very end with Hugh Grant. And then he just slams into the wall. It was just such a beautiful payoff it was a yeah it was a great callback and uh i i thought that the 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 sort of the as they're tumbling out of the tower with jonathan the guy's like wait we, we were gonna prove you. <laughs> <laughs> you know i thought that uh yeah the, so the scene played out really well and i think that is obviously the funniest uh sequence uh closely followed by when they're able to ask the questions of the corpses and, <laughs> yes. you know the the fact of like wasting the questions on the first corpse and uh you know that that was a a very nice <sighs> mid credit scene the callback uh to mm -hmm. uh to the one that's like i'm still waiting <laughs> someone please ask me a question <laughs> yeah i thought uh i thought that all of that was funny uh what uh what were some of the things that stood out for you richard obviously uh i i feel like we're gonna get no pushback on jonathan here this is a paramount movie yeah so that could definitely be a paramount plus uh one-off at, yeah. at some point but what about yeah. what are you thinking richard uh, well, I, I wanted to build on the Jonathan aspect and and point out something that I had noticed uh, while watching it that for, from a player perspective, it seemed like there was the hand of a dungeon master in every part of this movie right from the start um, with Jonathan, especially because they have these chancellors and they're in front of this uh, this, this board, right, pleading their case. And it felt like the dungeon master was sitting there being like, this is Chancellor so-and-so, the Dragonborn Chancellor. I, I don't remember any of their names. The Halfling. Right. And then there's an Arakokra. And they're like, oh, what's their name? Uh, Jarnathan. Yeah. Like, just <laughs> I pull it out of nowhere on accident. And then they latch right onto on. that. It's like, that's Jarnathan. We're dealing with Jarnathan now. So that like felt like the DM, the, the questions in the graveyard felt like the DM just messing with the players a little bit and being like, yeah, this isn't going to work as well as you had hoped. And every moment, even just the, the painting, and they have this foolproof plan with the painting and the, the hither thither staff, and they get it into the, the treasure room, and then it just tips over. Yes. And it just derails <laughs> their whole plan. I was just like, yeah, I've, I feel like I would have done that kind of stuff to my players in an instant just to see how they pivot <laughs> try and like work um, around it yeah <laughs> but for me my most enjoyable part was the intellect devourers i started cracking up at those one because i recently killed one of my player characters with an intellect devourer not long ago um but then in that part in the underdark zank is explaining the intellect devourers and how they're attracted to intelligence and the, you know, the more intelligent you are, then they'll see you. And then they just walk right by the party. <laughs> and I was like, that's perfect. And even more, all of the classes that they are, are not intelligence-based classes. They are classes that don't even need intelligence. So it was just like a perfect moment for me to see that. And it was, it was a hoot and a half. And I love that Chris Pine had the line that was like, that's just rude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
yeah, I thought that uh, that was, uh, yeah, there were a lot of those uh, great moments. Uh, for me, something that I that I teased in the intro was uh, when they uh, are in in the labyrinth in the the big uh, Colosseum, and uh, they uh, encounter a, a familiar looking group of characters to some of us of a certain age. Uh, there's a a group of adventurers who are dressed like the characters from the Dungeons and Dragons animated series from the early '80s, which. <laughs> to be fair, was not a particularly good series, but it got two seasons, you know, and uh, I watched it every week, mostly because that was the era. If it was on TV, you would watch it. But uh, it was fun. I mean, it was a fun series when I was a kid. And uh, I don't think I noticed it right away, but uh, when there was the wizard with the big green hat, uh, I was like, okay, that's a really nice, and none of them have any lines. They're just kind of trapped there in that cage. That's the second time we see them where they're trapped in the cage. And you're like, oh no, I, <laughs> I hope they survive this. So it's, uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta keep in mind the uh, multiple iterations of uh, the property. Uh, that was one that jumped out at me, but Richard, you mentioned you actually had a list of uh, some of the Easter eggs and, and things. If, oh, yeah. uh, if there's any that jump out that you'd particularly like to share, I would, uh, I'd love to hear some of those. It's too many. Um, I'll start <laughs> with one that I had mentioned earlier. Uh, Simon making it smell like fresh cut grass was a nod to Critical Role, which is the biggest, most popular live play Dungeons and Dragons uh, show in existence. Um, one of the characters in the, I believe it's the current campaign they're running, his character's name is Fresh Cut Grass. And he was named <laughs> after smells that his creator liked. Uh, so that was like a nice throw in there for, for Simon to make it smell like Fresh Cut Grass and keep bringing it back over and over again. Uh, it was just a nice little nod. Yeah, there were there uh, were a number of mentions, and his uh, his entire uh, show was uh, was great. It's the uh, it's very reminiscent of the uh, on the Mandalorian uh, Kamal, uh, Kamal Nanjani as a fake Jedi. You know, oh, it's uh, yeah. <laughs> it was just like I'm yeah. gonna look like all this, uh, but I'm really just doing it for money. Absolutely, you know, yeah, so. yeah. Well, that that yeah, I I did really enjoy that whole scene and his use of spells throughout was just really, really cleverly done. Um, the tubby dragon, uh, oh, Timber show yeah. was, he's actually in lore. He was created in second edition D and D. So he's something that's been around for like 25, 30 years. 1999 was when he was invented. So yeah, like 25 years. Um, so that was also really fun to see like these really old characters brought into the, the story and introduced uh the prison even that they're at in the very beginning was it is something in the game but the thing that a lot of people didn't realize it was actually made into the game because the movie was coming out and they needed a prison oh wow okay so oh, this was like five years ago or so four years ago they published a book called rhyme of the frost maiden introduced this prison called revel's end and the players can go there all the chancellors are in it are in the game a module so the dragonborn the halfling and not jarnathan though Sorry. i was gonna say He's i was like what <laughs> well you let me know uh, when jarnathan shows up in uh, future editions or you know supplements there, you know yeah I, I i feel like i feel like uh that's a that's a very important part of uh ip you know it's like uh oh, yeah it's like it's like harley quinn being created for the batman animated series you right. know and then i and then you know it's sort of like wait this is a great character we have to do something with it yeah so, it's its own uh, thing 
Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Jonathan Merch better be all over uh, Comic-Con uh, this July. That's I all sure I'm hope saying. so. I sure hope there's a bunch of Jonathans walking around, if nothing else. Oh my gosh. How many Astro. Jonathans would you get your picture with? Oh, <laughs> all of them. All of them. I will hunt them down. I'll be your Jonathan one-stop shop. I'll be doing live tweet updates. Jonathan yeah. on the corner. Let me ask a specific question. The uh the helmet that uh they go on the quest for that they you know have to get past the tubby dragon. Is that helmet uh something that uh, has existed in DD lore? I actually forget the technical name of it. If I was a if I was a more competent host, I would have made a note as to what that helmet was called. But uh, um, you know, it's the helmet in the movie. So the helmet, yeah, uh, it's yeah. called the helm of disjunction. Yeah, in the that's film, a- um, but it's actually was not in D and D before the film. Since the film came out, they've actually published a bunch of like magic items and characters from the movie as playable things. Uh, but the helmet was based on a spell that was in very first edition Dungeons and Dragons called Mordekainen's Disjunction. Uh, so it does tie back and relate to the very first edition of the game. Cool. And, and and the the spell did what the helmet did, which was disrupt yeah. others. Yeah, it's you know it's always like, well, my <laughs> power is to dampen other powers. So ha, mm-hmm. well, what my power is to dampen power dampeners what do you think about that you know so there's always like yeah. the, the spell that disrupts spells but then you have the spell that disrupts the spell that disrupts spells and uh you know it, it can go on and on of course um so uh yeah you reminded me just how much i enjoyed the uh the tubby dragon uh which i i Rolling suspect i I suspect that uh you know i don't i don't i don't want to shame anyone who goes to comic-con but i think there might be some tubby dragons also on display. Some people who feel like they've finally found their spirit animal <laughs> and oh, it's yeah. an animal without much spirit, you know, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what were some other uh, big things? Uh, so I'm glad to see that the, the helmet was in a way a shout out, even if it wasn't like a, you know, a coveted item. Yeah, the, the from, yeah. From campaigns for uh, it's yeah. still kind of lean to that uh the picture that they kind of cut out of the frame and put the portal behind originally was actually a portrait of a very well-known character named uh his nickname is volo i'm forgetting the whole name volo thamp i think is his name but he okay. there's even a book that's been published in fifth edition called volo's guide to monsters which is apparently supposed to be written by this one character and and he was the portrait that they tore apart to put a portal in uh that was one Easter egg. That's awesome. Uh, the cult of the dragon, when the black dragon came through and was destroying everything, that was a battle with the cult of the dragon, which has also been in the stories of Dungeons and Dragons for decades at this point. Uh, so that was another nice uh, nod. Uh, oh, man. My list. What about <laughs> the, resur- the Resurrection Revolution. Stone? or that, uh, That's a Harry Potter. Oh, reference. the tablet? Yeah, the tablet. Uh, I believe they said the tablet was created after the movie. It was okay. not something they had originally done. Okay. Uh, but of course, the Red Wizards of Thay was something that, that had been around for a while. And Zaz, Zaz Tam is the like the big bad guy who's in the shadows with the little eyes. He is actually a, a well-known lich from the lore of the stories. So okay. they picked an interesting villain to bring in. Uh, Dominica Saxon says, I saw a quick shot of rust monsters, which, yes. uh, you know, I did not, I, I was not eagle eyed for something that uh, my eyes would not have, it was, uh, have caught. But, there was yeah. a very brief shot when they were taking Holga and Edgen to 
get their heads chopped off, I think. Mm. And you see these two little creatures are fighting over like a little piece of metal on top of a beam of wood. And they, they're small little red creatures. Those are rust monsters. They eat metal, oh. cause it to rust. Okay. It was a very quick shot, but yeah, they were in there and it was really cool to see those too. Well, we don't want to give uh, too much of a, a voice <laughs> to uh, naysayers, but, uh, you know, obviously as someone who's uh, in that world, are you hearing, you know, the, the loudest on social media usually repre represent, I was going to say reprehensible, but that's kind of right. They usually represent a, a small number. Are there a, a loud but small minority of, of true diehard uh, D and D players and fans who are just like anything that comes out, they're probably going to tell you why it's terrible because that's their, they feel like that's their job. Uh, and what are things that people are saying to criticize uh, this film in particular? So I, I did see a few. That's an overstatement. Actually. I only saw one person say that they hated the movie hmm. and have actual complaints about it. Um, I did not get into like go read their whole Twitter thread or watch their they do they do have a YouTube channel. I did not watch their video on why they hated it um, because I'm like I, I like it. I don't want to think that yet. Um, <laughs> but they did bring up a valid point that the movie did not credit uh, Gary Gygax or um, Ed Greenwood, who was the creator of Forgotten Realms, which the whole story takes place in. Um, but they did credit Hasbro. They said you know based on a game made by Hasbro. And so there is a, a small group of people who are saying, you know, they should have credited Gary Gygax and Ed Greenwood. Um, but there are just as many people saying, do they really need to? It's kind of bigger than that. Yeah, at this no. Point. And, and look, I think there's a, you know, obviously the, for, for people who subscribe to my channel and you know how much time I spend uh, talking about uh, uh, material adapted from comic books. And I think what I like, because I'm not one of the creators, when there's the thanks for basically everybody who wrote any of the stories that maybe they pulled from for that, and sometimes those names are very long, I I feel like that's appropriate. When somebody makes a movie that is directly adapted from a specific work, like multiple movies on the Dark Phoenix Saga, you should definitely credit the two creators somewhere, but I know that that means you have to pay them. Uh, someone who I know mm -hmm. is not uh, heaping any negative comments on the film is the aforementioned pal, Caitlin Cornell, who, as I mentioned, I ran into at the theater and you were seeing it for the third time Second. on the day it was released. So I don't even know how that happened. Uh, but uh, Kate, how many have you have you kept up that pace? Have you seen it nine times now? I've seen it three times it? now. Nice. I've seen it three times now. Okay. Yeah. And uh, and uh, what uh, what was your feeling after the first one? Did you do one of those? Like, there's people who tell the story about seeing Star Wars when it came out in 1977. I've heard this story where they just got in the line outside the theater afterwards so they could immediately see it again. Was that you with Dungeons and Dragons: Honor Among Thieves? I don't think so because I, I you can't. I got into all the pre screenings so you can't really just like go to the back because there was only one <laughs> that day. So right. I did the pre-screen. So I was one of those. Yeah, our pal in the chat, Dominicus Saxon, he did that. Uh, there was like an Amazon uh, pre-screening. So uh, so that so uh, what uh, were your? Uh, oh, and sorry because I know that we talked a little bit about this at the beginning. Everybody talked about their background with uh, D and D. Mine being, you know, basically the animated series and trying nice. to convince my brother to play the Marvel role-playing game instead of the Dungeons and Dragons with me. But uh, talk a moment about your background with it. 
on your brand. expectations for the movie. Yeah. Um, I got into D and D through my friend Lynn and, uh, she got me in because we listened to critical role. So my introduction to Dungeons and Dragons was critical role and, um, uh, seeing how much, uh, seeing how, how critical role has turned into the legend of box machina and mighty nine is now getting its own series. Uh, seeing how with the cut, like the coincide, like everything coincided where five E Critical Role and Stranger Things all kind of came out at about the same time. Mm. And they were all kind of using the same material. And so I think, plus the pandemic, everyone started playing Dungeons and Dragons again and started mm -hmm. the people who played it in college, who were the ones who were, or the people who played it when they were kids were like, oh, cool, I get to share this with my kids. And now we all have time. And there's press, there's like a plethora of pop culture references. And then people are now seeing with the rise of video gaming that a lot of the characters and a lot of the the tropes and a lot of monsters are from D&D are being put into video games um, and movies. And so I think that people looked around and were like, oh shit, like there's a lot of D&D around and there's a lot more than just, oh, we're all sitting around a table being nerds and, you know, and also I was rewatching all of the, like I, I watched, what was that movie? I think I watched E.T. or something like that or like some old, one of the old 80s movies and they're all playing around a table it's like, oh, yeah, this was like a, a, a thing. Um, so it was cool to see like what the culture was, even though I wasn't a part of that culture and hating that culture as an adult and seeing what people turned it into a film and how people did it into a film. I also saw the, the Jeremy Irons movie when it came out. Right. Yeah, right. it's funny because I, I referenced the animated series, but I, I actually forgot about that. I totally <laughs> forgot about that one. <laughs> Completely forgot. Yeah, it's I like, never forget uh, about Jeremy Irons. I wake up and go to bed. <laughs> about Jeremy I, Irons. I, I love Jeremy Irons, uh, but uh, you know, it's it's like how I like John Leguizamo. But I don't need to talk about the uh, OG Super Mario Brothers, uh, which I'm seeing tomorrow <laughs> with my kids. By the way, uh, oh, I can't wait it's, to see what you. It's think a, about a friend that. of my son Felix is having his birthday party at the movie theater to see Super Mario Brothers. And uh, I, oh, had, no. I had like Fuck. my third or fourth birthday party. Now they do, yeah, they, they do however they do it. You know, it's all, That's it's all right. pre-arranged. So I'm doing that. Uh, you know, I did that. Uh, it wasn't when it was first out, but it was like a re-release for the original Superman. I had a birthday party at the movie theater where I saw the Christopher Reeve Superman. And, uh, you know, so I'm like, oh, this is going to be fun. Yeah. But anyway, uh, so with sort of all of that, uh, the expectation for the movie was probably uh, such where you were like, okay, I think this is going to deliver. Uh, once you saw the trailer, were you just rightfully excited, excited enough to have seen it three times or uh, were you at all cautious, Kate? I mean, I think when anyone takes a fantasy nerd thing, I think everyone was cautious. I, I don't know a single person in the room that was like, tempering their excitement <laughs> um, but i knew it wasn't going to be a rise of skywalker situation um, <laughs> i was excited because it felt like they understood the purpose of the material and watching it the first time um for people on the panel who don't know me and people in the chat who don't know me i'm a screenwriter so um it was it was nice to even though it was tropey they took the tropes and then they changed them. The player characters were allowed to make their own choices and that was built into the script. And any character that was a non-player character or a DM'd character was treated like a DM'd character. They passed information and they moved along. And the fact that they kind of put into the screenplay 
the function of Dungeons and Dragons mm -hmm. and allowed the characters to be creative in their storytelling without it being like, oh, it's a dice roll. But you could see the dice rolls amidst the, like you could see the intelligence checks, you could see the stealth checks. They treated the objects the way that they treated the objects. Um, I actually said something to, to Lynn when we watched it, where um, what the thing that I would have changed about the film was when Kira is being manipulated by Forge, that Forge, instead of saying that the Tablet of um, Reawakening is the Tablet of Riches, for him to say, oh, the tablet is a myth. So that when he pulls it out at the dock, it means more. Mm. And she has a visual like, oh, wait, my dad's actually telling the truth. So it gives her that reason to step forward. And then the real betrayal is the knife. But for yeah, her, that's that's definitely uh, certainly, you know, good, uh, good storytelling decisions uh, there. Uh, let me just uh, jump in for a second. Uh, Richard, what Kate is saying in terms of, uh, you know, dice rolls and things, you know, some people can make drinking games out of movies. Can you make rolling game out of this movie and being like, okay, let's see if we roll the correct, uh, you know, I don't know if there's a way to kind of do like player participation, or maybe it's more like a Rocky horror sort of a situation. Cause you know, you can't change what happens on the screen is this isn't the movie clue with its three different endings when it was in theaters. But uh, right. is, is there something about the movie where there could be sort of a fun, more interactive thing because of the way that they structured the story to reflect uh, the way that the game works? I think, I think, a drinking game is perfect. You could take a drink every time you see a dice roll happening in the story and you would get smashed pretty fast because they yep. <laughs> hit it all the time. It, it, except at the theater, like, except anyway. at the theater where they didn't let you bring your beers in. Right. They didn't. Well, I'll have words with them another day. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> wait, was it that was it the AMC in Burbank and you couldn't uh, waltz from MacGuffins right into the? Uh, no, it was uh, it was the AMC in CityWalk, and they have the rule that you can only take drinks in the upstairs theaters, and we were downstairs. Oh, uh, it was dumb. Oh gosh. Mm. It was really dumb. But uh, either yeah. way, definitely saw dice rolls all over yeah. on the screen. Uh, to piggyback off what Kate said, too, though, she mentioned NPCs, they give information and leave. There's only one exception. I firmly believe that Zink is an NPC who was just too. there for service purpose, but he was there kind of long, you know, doing those things. Um, masterfully played by Regis Jean. I'm, 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 yeah. I'm glad you I'm glad you he, were the first I one tried. to try to say his name. <laughs> yeah. I, I was just like, you know, that guy from Bridgerton, right? We As a Bridgerton fan, it's yeah. Regis Jean Page. Okay. okay. He was wonderful. He was I, I've never home. seen Bridgerton, but I was just, I love that he was essentially, he was the solve that they couldn't keep for the entirety of the mm -hmm. game, essentially. And yeah. he was, he got them through the one part that, you know, they needed to get through. And then he just straight line walked away. Walked a straight line. <laughs> Which is that, like, that was a, that was a, uh, uh, I just read that was him. That's that was amazing. his. That was his improv. Oh, they great. they just kept the camera running, and they're just like, "Let's just see what he does." And he yeah. walked right over the thing, and they kept it. Because after I saw it, I was talking to my wife, who is also a big Bridgerton fan, and you know, she asked, you know, if you know about him in it, and I'm like, "Well, he's kind of like the lead for not even a full act, but you know, there's a good 20 minutes where he's a lead in the movie, and then he's gone, and he's not really, you know, he he's he's in more yeah. than Bradley Cooper." But, but he's not he's not making any choices and he's not making right. any decisions. Mm -hmm. He's just like, here's your history. Here's your history mm -hmm. dump because yeah. you need to know this stuff. Absolutely. And, yep. you know, and everything he does works perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. 
what uh, we were uh, going around and uh, highlighting some of our favorite moments. Uh, Jonathan was uh, a big hit, especially uh, for Katie, which I knew before we even started doing this show. Uh, there have been a multiple uh, all caps Jonathan with many uh, exclamation points. I really uh, so- the first time I heard his name, I thought they kept saying Jonathan, which is one of the yeah. names of the creators, which they definitely I think like just twisted. And I thought it would be really funny if it was just like, oh, Jonathan's just like running running late due to traffic like as in, <laughs> right. like in the real rpg like i can't yeah. really continue my backstory without jonathan here and like can we please wait for jonathan to arrive yeah <laughs> like i don't know That's but uh, what were some of uh, some of the favorite uh, scenes characters interactions things that uh, you know and maybe it was upon your third viewing you're like oh i really liked you know this or that that happened in in the film even though it's not like Dork apparently is is like a level fifteen druid <laughs> to shapeshift as many times as she does. But I thought it was I thought the one shot shapeshift was her escaping the castle was great because they do not break that cut and it was really really great for her to do that and to kind of when you're when you have a character that can shapeshift and you know it's it's probably the coolest part of being a druid is the wild shape to really give that precedence for the fans and even though she can't she shouldn't be able to change into an owl bear i didn't mind that she could change into an owl bear because <laughs> uh, it was uh, the like and and the the kind of balance of like the drama and the comedy with like i think you got her and then she kind of like sits up again and it's like no <laughs> <laughs> and then i hit her 14 more times and, it was and, very and, hulk and... with loki <laughs> in the first Avenger, <laughs> you know and also there was a lot of of like and speaking of like the hulk with loki like the third viewing i was there was a lot of like weird fantasy movie tropes that i saw that i really liked like you know the lord of the rings when they're like walking like and you have that wide shot shot. of them and they're doing the like the circle shot 14 like over and over again and they did that a couple times in the beginning they did that that, i think at three points in the movie and i think it was per act break they had that they they had had a whoop yeah, they had the hero <laughs> shot, you know, like it, it's a it's a Michael Bay shot that he he developed yeah. like low low and up, and they they circle around. Yeah, uh, making making the difference between startled and frightened. Yeah, I thought that was funny. I wasn't I wasn't scared, merely startled. Um, uh, uh, I liked I liked the montage of death. I liked that that was like the bet. The only montage we got in the movie was was the kind of like death. The 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 where did the where did the helmet go montage? And that that was really expertly done, and it was really funny. It was a good way to like kind of start piecing stuff together without like making it easy for the characters. So the the travel montages could be the travel montages, and you know, the the I I thought that they they put information in the story really well. Yeah, and uh, by the way, uh, just a shout out to the Owl Bear, which we can expect to, you know, be on shelves everywhere very soon. And uh, you know, I'm going to buy an Owl Bear, you know, for the kids, of course. Uh, they, oh, they're going to. Are you going to get a Chonky Dragon? Well, we did talk about how we expect to see some of those uh, out at uh, Comic Con, so you know, they're I already they're, out. They're already on uh, Amazon. Oh, oh beautiful! They got to be plushies, right? Or are they? Yeah, just they're the just like and... giant chunky plushies. I love it. You just roll it around, <laughs> and it <laughs> hungry, hungry uh, hippos. <laughs> just to circle back what we were saying earlier, uh, Dominicus Saxon agrees with this idea that it would have been nice to acknowledge the two fathers of the game. 
Gygax and Greenwood, even though they stopped being associated ages ago. Yeah, I mean, look, every Marvel yeah. movie says Stanley and Jack Kirby, and yeah. you know, for I mean, they haven't, they didn't even work together in the seventies, you know. So it's like obviously you, it, it's very easy to give a nod, and if you do it in the right way, if your motivation is to not have to pay someone, you can still do it where you put their put name. Put him in as the a credit. character. Put him as a character name. Gygax That's a great a idea. Super, it's a fun like, name, I, man. Yeah, it's a yeah, great, absolutely. it's a great D and D name. Well, here's some, here's something that I've seen in the arguments discussion about that online. Um, so this is not my original thought, but um, the mention of Mordekainen and his seal. Mordekainen was Gary Gygax player character. Mm. That was his. That's him. Um, so some people are saying that is the nod to Gary Gygax. And other people have theories that Edgin was named after Ed Greenwood. It's just a theory, oh. but that can also be seen as that. I can see that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Again, rumors, speculation, no hard facts in this statement. <laughs> sure, sure. But that's all right. Uh, here at the, the Black House, we operate solely on rumor and innuendo. And uh, those Excellent. are my two sources for everything <laughs> that I've ever uh, reported on this show. Obviously, uh, with a wealth of history for this intellectual property uh there are a lot of things that they can do with it going forward uh it seems like the film has has been what they would consider a success uh richard what would you like to see next would you i i mean i would be up for another adventure with the same cast of characters uh beyond that what are some things that either you're hearing or maybe hoping that they might decide to do with uh, future dungeons and dragons property I haven't heard a lot of rumors around things in the future, except there was some rumor briefly mentioned somewhere about a show that could be coming back um, that had been on the table and then got put it to the side. And then the movie comes out and is super successful. So who knows what will happen there? Um, I think a, a sequel could be really fun because this adventure party definitely felt like a low level party minus Doric, who was obviously much higher level than everyone else. Um, so I think them growing as as characters, maybe see a little more bard magic from Chris Pine uh, might be something people want to see. Um, I honestly, though, I would be happy if they were just like, yeah, well, that's our movie. We'll just let it sit there and and wait and not, you know, beat it, beat this horse until it's dead. Just let right. it be what it is. I would be perfectly happy with that, too. Yeah, but that's not uh, really the way that that's Hollywood not going to happen. Right? Oh, no, that's yeah. not how Hollywood goes. <laughs> no. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, anyone who's attended one of my karaoke birthdays uh, knows that a low level party is uh, the only kind that I personally like to engage in. Craig Robinson <laughs> from across the pond laughed at some of the dead guys being asked random questions just to break the spell. Like, what's your favorite food? And he like changed his answer, which I thought was actually very funny. Yeah, bad at math. That's, yeah, <laughs> which is really great for a Dungeons and Dragons campaign because that's all you do in Dungeons and Dragons is fucking Matt. add and subtract. <laughs> yeah, uh, and Dominicus Saxon wants a sequel, and I'm sure you'll get one. You know, I, and, and that's the thing that's so great is that you could have a sequel with the original cast, or you could have a sequel with literally anyone else. That's what um, I was thinking because when you have the little subtitle "Honor Amongst Thieves," it's like that story feels complete, and you can go to an entirely different part of the world bring in some of those old characters yeah. but have an entirely different party yeah including jarnathan yeah. jarnathan! Jarnathan! jarnathan would just be yeah. through everything katie jarnathan. are you that's just true 
Are you just going to be on the like petition side of like Jonathan should get a campaign after how shitty he was treated in the first one? I mean, you know, Jonathan can be the R2-D2 and C-3PO of the Dungeons and Dragons film universe. He's in every movie, whether he it makes sense for him to be there or not. You know, they probably spent so cases. much money on that costume. Like, let's yeah, like that's true. <laughs> yeah, they're like, we got, we got to get some money out of this thing. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think uh, it, uh, it, like, it was fun. And it was like you were saying at the beginning, Katie, it was exactly what I wanted. It's, yeah, our, there's so many movies coming out because of the backlog due to COVID and, you know, just the size, the scope, and the cost of movies. The summer movie season really did begin at the end of March, didn't it? <laughs> It really did. Because, uh, and, and like, we're not even into it. And I, I think tomorrow I'm going to see like my sixth movie in the last two weeks, you know? Yeah. And uh, most of them have been at the very least entertaining. And uh, I think that uh, this, this was a good one uh, for the, the, the large bucket of uh, popcorn, of course. Mm. Um, and this is a great uh, thought from Dominica Saxon. I'd love a series done like the Marvel TV series with other characters. Uh, as long as one of your characters is Jonathan, uh, you'll hear no complaints <laughs> from us. And yeah, I think that, you know, that's one of the ways to figure out how to do it. It's like, yeah. you know, I mean, there's uh, what Peacock is going to have a, a non John Wick series, but the John Wick universe, there's going a to be series? A non-wick, exactly. A dampened wick, as it were. <sighs> a sticky wicket. And uh, so, you know, I think that, uh, you know, except for Sony, every studio has a streaming platform. And so there are so many opportunities to spin off, but not like, oh, yeah, we're going to spend a billion dollars on a, a, a film sequel. You know, it's like, oh, no, we'll, we'll spend, you know, a couple million on a bunch of episodes of content. So, yeah, I think that the the recognition for the brand, the reception to the movie, uh, we are uh, certainly going to see uh, a lot more. And uh, so, uh, Richard, you've seen it uh, the the one time and you're going to take uh, your wife, Brittany, over the weekend. Yes. Uh, you feel like this is one of those uh, multiple viewings, uh, maybe even like, oh, put it on in the background mm-hmm. because of, you know, just sort of the, the comforting for to go on the journey. You feel like it's a it, it's a film designed to be rewatched. That's my question. Oh, yeah, I definitely think this is something uh, not just because it is a fun movie. It's something I will once it's out on Blu-ray or something, I will have it on a lot Mm -hmm. more often. But even so, even more, they say there's a lot of stuff happening in the background in every scene. So I'm going in this next one being like, what else can I see that I missed the first time? You know, what is this potential story of tabaxis going on that I didn't catch the first viewing? So. Um, it's definitely made for rewatchability and finding more and more of what they had snuck in there for the fans. And uh, Kate, have uh, have you tapped out at three viewings or might you sneak out for a fourth one? No, why would I tap out? Right. <laughs> Tapping out at the mean, losers. Anyway, I know well, just because just because there's so many other movies out. I don't know. You might be like, oh, I just uh, I just don't have the time. But uh, yeah, it seems like a uh, a fun a fun ride. And, uh, you know, Katie, you, you might not be able to squeeze into the, uh, squeeze a a movie theater visit into your schedule because, uh, you know, you're, you know, you're just weeks away from getting married, but, uh, obviously, obviously Jonathan has uh, received a last minute invite and I do hope he accepts. And he's officiating. 
Oh yeah, yeah. No, it, we're expecting no. him at any minute to show up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that well, that will uh, of course uh, be great. And uh, yeah, I think it. Uh, this was this seemed like a fun one to uh, just kind of spend some time uh, chatting, and uh, it was a perfect excuse to uh, gather together uh, some of my favorite people. And Richard, you made your first appearance on the Blackcast, Yay. and. Uh, that means that uh, now it, it, we've proven that it, that the technology works. We can talk from different corners of Burbank, and uh, yeah. you know, a couple now miles the, away. Yeah, now, yeah, and uh, as uh, and, and uh, Kate wasn't around when we pointed this out, but uh, Richard and his wife live in my old house, uh, my townhouse, which you've been to, Kate. <laughs> so, oh my God, really? So, yeah, so he's <laughs> doing it from hysterical. from that location. Yeah, so broadcasting uh, from the former not kids in room. the closet. No, no, that's the that's the kids' room. It 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 was it was a, a little bit brighter, uh, and yes, uh, Roz JD with the shout out from laughing beautiful, beautiful downtown Burbank, and uh, I'm I'm a little closer to beautiful downtown Burbank, uh, but uh, we uh, I appreciate everybody uh, joining us. Uh, and a great question from Craig Robinson: Is there a Blackcast Entertainment Network welcome pack? Uh, yeah, there. It was the six pack of uh, longboard that I left in the fridge when we moved out. That's the uh, Black Cast Entertainment Network welcome pack. Nice. Uh, so you know, but uh, Richard, I know we mentioned it at the beginning, but let everybody know where they can find you and your Etsy store and all the the great things that you're doing for the the world of fantasy, as it were. Yeah, if you want to learn more about Dungeons and Dragons, I have a YouTube channel called the RPG Daily. I'm on Instagram at the RPG Daily. Uh, Twitter here and there at the RPG Daily. And if you want miniatures for your D&D games, I sell those on Etsy. The shop name is Adventures in 3D. And I got pretty good reviews. So I think I'm doing all right. Yeah, I mean, the uh, the amount of time that the amount of space you need for 3D printing, which is basically our entire old garage there at the townhouse, <laughs> tells me that the, the orders are doing well. And uh, Kate, Obviously, uh, people who know our shows know about uh, Uncanny Film that you've worked on, but please take a moment and let people know where they can find it and explain what Uncanny is. Uncanny is my film about Rogue and Gambit. It takes place after the Rogue 1995 series. Um, real excited about that. It just got into Geek Fest and we're starting to hit festivals with it, which is awesome. Uh, but you can find it at Uncanny Film on Instagram, and you can find it on YouTube, Uncanny and X Universe Fan Film. And uh, we appreciate that, and uh, I'm sure uh, Kate will uh, be part of uh, our excitement as we uh, delve into the Guardians Volume Three, and we finally have a release date for Secret Invasion in June. So it's uh, it's been a you know it, it, there's been like Ant Man was the drop in the bucket, but uh, gotta get the band back together. <laughs> I know. I think we'll we'll definitely get the band back together, and. Uh, Katie, uh, you can usually find uh, talking about Star Trek Picard with me, and uh, hopefully uh, she and her fiancé are able to join us before the end of the season. But if people are looking for you elsewhere, where can they find you, Katie? You can find me on all the social medias, mostly at El Sassy Pants. Uh, if you're looking on TikTok, it's El Sassy Pants with a Z at the end. Um, <laughs> you can also check me out on Characters Welcome. We I just did uh, a really dumb bit on there uh, presented by Just for Laughs. 
So uh, check out the YouTube page, Characters Welcome, and you will see a live show of me in a balaclava. <laughs> so. Well, way to sell it. I did a really dumb bit. Honestly, I'm I'm and more interested. In, I'm way more interested than if you said uh, oh, I did a really funny bit. You know, I'm like, no, oh, how no, stupid is it? It's hey, yep. It's a modern day ghost hunter <laughs> named and, uh, Dominicus Saxon with a great point. This was a great episode. I still think Richard <laughs> is an NPC though. So, uh, I we haven't been able That's to. All I it. do is You're play right. NPCs. So, uh, as always, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Christian DMZ. Please subscribe to the Blackcast YouTube channel BLADTCAST or subscribe to the audio version just blatcast wherever you find your podcast except spotify because i'm lazy uh b-l-a-d-t-c-a-s-t but yeah i should i'm i'm taking no stand other than just being lazy and not adding it to the rss feed but you know it's early in the year maybe i'll get maybe this spotify thing will catch on at some point uh in any case (laughs) that that is all the time uh we have for now uh when we uh next Blackcast. Uh, there will be no shortage of movies to talk about. I mentioned I'm seeing Super Mario Brothers tomorrow. Uh, has anybody seen it yet, by the way, here? Uh, any of the three of you? Okay. No, I'm but, seeing it next week. Okay. I haven't uh, seen yeah, it yet, that is... I'm, I'm glad you... <laughs> I totally misunderstood you earlier. I thought you were saying you were seeing the John Leguizamo one no, <laughs> with your kid. No, I was like, no. you're letting your kid go for his birthday <laughs> to that one? No, no, no. It's a friend's birthday. And, gotcha. and you know, yeah, he wanted okay. the John Leguizamo one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he wanted the John Leguizamo Super Mario Brothers in the 1990 Captain America. Uh, <laughs> so, okay. You know, which, you know, what kid doesn't uh, doesn't really want that? And uh, I saw... I saw uh, Air yesterday about the Air Jordans, which I thought was a fun film. And uh, Zach Braff's movie, A Good Person, is fantastic, but a huge bummer. I mean, you'll feel okay after it, but ooh, it's... Is it like on the same level as The Whale? Like how I felt after The Whale? No, because at the end you'll probably feel okay. I don't want to give too much away, but you'll you'll feel like the world isn't, isn't terrible. There's moments along the way. Um, and then I also really enjoyed a movie called spinning gold about Neil Bogart, who started Casablanca records, which, uh, the lead in that movie, Jeremy Jordan, I, I'd never seen him in anything and he was fantastic. So it's uh, it's almost like you don't have to have interest in that story. So lots of good movies out now, more to come. And, uh, you know, like I said, summer movie season started at the end of March. That's a great way to do it. Uh, so uh, we'll talk more movies next week and then who knows after that. But that's all the time we have for now. And we will see you next time on The Bladcast. Thank you for listening to The Bladcast. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, The Bladcast. That's B-L-A-D-T-C-A-S-T. You can also subscribe to the audio version wherever podcasts are found. Like The Bladcast on Facebook. Follow at Bladcast on Twitter and Instagram. I'm Farad Muhammad, and if you want me to voice your podcast intro, you can find me at Twitter and Instagram at F-A-R-D-M-U-H-A-M-M-A-D. We will see you next time on the Bladcast. Well, this has been the Bladcast. I am your host. <laughs> you can find me at Christian DMZ. Jeff Duray, not on Twitter. The Bladcast. Welcome to the stream. Who are you? One of the best podcasts you can ever see, the Blackcast. Whoop-dee-doo, we're watching it. We got no Wi-Fi. We can't hear a thing, but we love it. Go watch the Blackcast with me and Carl. It was a great show, if I remembered it. But if I was on, it must have been great, right? Give myself a bill. Good luck with the whole thing. And, you know, here's to another 500. Get you to 1,000, you know, which is more than 500. Last time I said. Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye.
We're closed.